Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, we're back, and uh, we have a dynamite show for you again today. And uh, in the studio with us, we have uh, Judge Richard Weinberg, and we have a special guest, the former, uh, uh, in, well, assistant director in charge of New York uh, for, for the, the FBI. FBI. We have George Venizelos, and and uh, he has a few things to say about uh, to straighten out uh, what the FBI has been they've been talking about the FBI. And another important story. We got Curtis Lewa. And Curtis wants to talk about what's going on with the squirrels. I mean, we talked about squirrels yesterday. Me and my daughter went out to feed the squirrels in Central Park. There were no squirrels. Everybody's talking about the squirrels, John. By the way, we were at an event last night. It's like, uh, first and foremost, where are they? And Curtis, Curtis. have a solution. Well, no, we were, we who, were at the, uh, who you, murdered the squirrels? Well, we were at your book signing, uh, John, a great turnout. And again, you and your daughter were wondering, where did all those squirrels go? You were sitting out there ready to feed them, and there were no squirrels whatsoever. And naturally, my wife, the animal welfare expert, and she is in Central Park so often that at times when there's a lunar eclipse or a full moon, she bays to the moon on one of the rocks because her nickname is Lone Wolf One. So she knows all about the animals. So there's two reasons. A, number one, you have tree squirrels and you have ground squirrels in life. We have tree squirrels in Central Park. That's where they live. They go up and down. Unfortunately, the Parks Department, because they don't like having to clean up all the uh, the seeds and everything that comes from the female trees, have planted all male trees. And the male trees have caused more pollen than ever before. And New Yorkers are suffering miserably. So, so are the, are the, are, are, are the uh, squirrels dead? Or no, they're missing? no, no. Squirrels like... Are we find a, a missing squirrel report? Squirrels need the, <laughs> they need the female trees. They don't like the male trees. All right, so here's the so message. So what happened to wait, them? Wait, are, wait. They, are they gone? Here's the message. They clearly... People like females better. That's the message, right? Is There's that no the message? There's no doubt, but okay. secondarily... I like females better. <laughs> no, I hope so. Uh, okay? But, Thank you, John. You know, I don't know of many gay squirrels out there, but I'm sure there are a few like the male so trees. Dead? Well, you have one, right? So not having enough of the female trees has caused them not to reproduce, which is a problem. Have they died from the poison they're feeding the uh, Well, that's rats? the other problem. Remember, that's rodent poison. It's not just rat poison. It's rodent poison. And the, uh, the squirrel is a rodent. It's related to the chipmunk. It's related to the rats. So, they kill- so whoever laid the... Uh, the uh, rat poison. The pellets. They put the pellets they down. They killed our squirrels. Yep. Yep. And guess Can we who? File a report. Guess who didn't die? Who? The, from, the rats. The rats. <laughs> right. Wow. The rats are smarter than the squirrels. But so, now, aren't there other animals too? Other people. We were talking yesterday. It's not even just our be- beautiful oh, little absolutely. fuzzy squirrels. There's other animals, Dogs right? Have died because of this rat. Poison. How yep. scary is that, Curtis? So it goes beyond. Yeah. So again, they keep uh, circling this rat problem. I got to tell you, I right. volunteered to be the rat czar for the city because I know rats. You want to kill? <laughs> you want to kill the squirrel? Well, 
No, because, again, you can't beat the rats. You can only control them. You can't beat Keep, them. Stay on top of it. We have to solve the, the squirrel He's problem. He's a rat well, expert. You know, my, a, daughter, my daughter is crying <laughs> over those squirrels. Rocket J. Squirrel. We, we grew we up with Rocket J. Squirrel and Bowling. <laughs> Absolutely. And we I'm glad we realized Rita. women are better. Who well, do we have uh, as our first guest? Well, following up on Curtis's message that women rule the world, let's bring in Congresswoman Nancy Mace from the great state of South Carolina. Uh, and Congresswoman, first of all, bravo to you. You were the first woman to graduate from Citadel. I'm a South Carolina graduate, mm-hmm. USC. Um, uh, oh, awesome. And That's fantastic. You are creating fireworks, um, basically telling Christopher Ray, the head of the FBI, to man up. Tell us about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, absolutely. And if the DOJ and FBI won't do their job, we'll do it for them on oversight investigating the Biden family. Uh, They're up to nine Biden families now, and it's going to be tens of millions of dollars we'll be revealing through our investigation that was floating around in dozens and dozens of shell companies coming from places like communist China, Romania, Ukraine, Russia, etc. This thing is a hot mess. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a hot potato for the Biden administration right now. But we're going to get to the bottom of it and we're going to follow the facts wherever they go. You know, Congresswoman Mace, um, you gave a great line during uh, one of the recent press conferences when they were laying Mm -hmm. out all of the Biden family members. And you said, Mm -hmm. why do you go through all these LLCs? It's like these shell companies. It's uh, the whole route looks so questionable if it's a, quote, legitimate Mm -hmm. business. Explain that for our great listeners here. Yeah, no, that's right. The, the, The Biden family had a complex system of LLCs that they got paid through. And it was created to be complex, to be confusing. And if the media is confused, as they often are, uh, it was meant that way. And when you look at it, when you look at what we've seen and the suspicious activity reports are confidential, we're not allowed to float them out to the public. But if you were to see what we saw and you combine it with the bank records and see shell company after shell company, it looks like classic RICO, racketeering, money laundering, wire fraud, you name it. Like, why does the president's grandchild nieces and nephews who are very young and aren't foreign agents, neither is a son, but current wives, ex-wives, a son, a brother. What do they need to do with all this, quote, seed money? What are they doing with it? Well, it looks like they just pocketed it, really, at the end of the day. And they were all, they were all on the payroll. Oh, they were all on the payroll. And, you know, some of these characters that were paying company A, then company A, get paid company B, then company B, paid the Biden family. And, you know, we saw many, multiple transactions where, Biden family cut was a third. They got 30% of everything. And we know based on emails and texts off the laptop that we know that the big guy got his 10% too. We know Hunter Biden also paid his bills. And and so when you add it all up, they're like, if this is not illegal, it should be. Uh, Judge Weinberg? Uh, Congresswoman, I want to ask you this question. Where is the quid pro quo? What did they, they, this family do that was so important that tens right. of millions of dollars were being given to them? What would services would they be providing? You're right. And they, and they have yet to produce a business plan, by the way. They said that some of this money was, quote, seed money, but won't say what the seed money was for. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's just unreal. And then the, me, the mainstream media is like, well, you didn't prove that Joe Biden did any of this. Well, th- none of this happens without Joe Biden. Like, I can't understand, you know, why you don't. See how we've connected the dots with the bank records, the revolving door at the White House, the plane flights that Hunter Biden was on. So give me a break. You know, I want to ask you, how politicized do you believe the FBI is? I want to hear your thoughts about sort of the background uh, of it, because well, today there, there were, were fireworks, fireworks yeah, hearings today. 
I know, two words, Durham report. I mean, you, you look and see, and this is why, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I, right now, I'm unhappy with both sides of the aisle for a lot of reasons. And I call the balls and strikes. I call it legacy. I call a spade a spade. But this is why people believe that there's a deep state. Because when you look at the Durham report, there was no evidence uh, going after the former president, love him or hate him, uh, they made this stuff up. And, you know, we've been lied to over and over and over again, whether it's COVID-19 and, and whether it came out of a lab or not, where to wear, why to wear masks or not, the investigations into the former president. And, and, you know, he's being indicted for misdemeanors when Joe Biden isn't being investigated for betraying his country with communist parties. I mean, I just, to me, it's just unreal. There's got to be more there's got to be the same standard for everybody, regardless of your political affiliation, regardless of your politics. There should not be a two-tier justice system. And there's a question, again, Congressman, there's a real question here about whether or not mm-hmm. this president was compromised and it impacted on important yeah. policy decisions and our relationships with our adversaries and our allies. And it seems like every, Especially. by the way, all these investigations, too, of Hunter, how about them getting rid of the IRS, getting rid of all the basically investigation team? I mean, it's it's unbelievable yeah. the double standard. And even even one of the guys that, that's Communist Chinese Party members was investigated for collecting intel, right? And then one of the Romanians that paid the Biden family got convicted of corruption. I mean, it, you've heard President Biden's topics about Burisma, his public comments about Burisma in Ukraine, and I mean, getting an attorney fired if he was going to investigate this, and all these things. And you're like, what the heck is going on here? Why have charges not been filed yet? And guess what? If the DOJ and FBI won't do their job, James Comer and the rest of the Oversight Committee, we're going to do their job for them. We will refer charges to the DOJ if that's what it takes. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, it, it is amazing today, by the way, and we're going to have uh, Jim Jordan on the show uh, later on. Mm-hmm. He was talking a- about the whistleblowers, the whistleblowers who mm-hmm. were saying, don't investigate some of these folks that were there on January 6th. And, John, you've talked about this. Some of the folks that were there on January 6th who were just in the area who are like, or peaceful protesters. Obviously, there's a difference between somebody who's doing a criminal activity, but the targeting, and they were saying, wait, 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 let's not target some of these people. Uh, these people just happened to be there on January 6th or were there, you know, just talking or, but not breaking in or breaking property or anything. Boy, uh, they were, some of them were just vilified. Yeah, I mean, anytime that there's violence on the Capitol, it ought to be investigated is, is my take on it, especially for those that were assaulting police officers. That's something that all of us should be taking very seriously. Absolutely. Obviously, there were, you know, I don't know how many people there were there, but not all of them were committing crimes. And the ones that were committing the, the crimes were the ones that should be investigated, charged, and prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Absolutely. Well, Congresswoman Nancy Mace, it is great to have you here. Keep fighting the good fight. And we love having you here on Cats and Cosby. Thank you, thank so, much. you so much. And thank you for doing a good job of representing South Carolina, my old stomping yeah, ground. I'm trying. <laughs> when I'm dead. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. Well, George <clears throat> Venizelos, you were in the FBI for uh, 24, 25 years. You were the head of the New York office. Uh, it, uh, what's your gut feeling? What the heck is going on? Well, first of all, um, you know, the frenzy that's going on, and I'm not going to say it's not justified. Um, there were mistakes made, you know, and there were you know, there needs to be some type of reform. And I think the Durham report has already been a result in a lot of reform within the FBI. But the the thing that the people can't can't forget how important the FBI is to this country, how important the FBI is 
in the many areas, whether it's terrorism, you know, white-collar crime, spies, there are a lot of enemies like the Chinese and the Russians that want a weak FBI. They want to weaken the FBI. They want to push to defund the FBI. The FBI is 35,000 employees, 13,000 agents within the 35,000. And, and, and they have a tremendous responsibility to keep in this country safe in a lot of different areas. And we know, you know, John, you're gonna, you know, we know a lot of the, the local FBI agents here. You know, we know a lot of FBI agents. And, and I know all the dedication and hard work they do. Washington has always been a problem within the FBI. You know, I think they need to give the power back to the field. Things should never be run out of Washington. Washington's a political state, and the people who were there become political, obviously. But the, I can tell you right now, the New York office is not listening to everything Washington says. They, they do their investigations. They work hard every day. They, you know, you know, they, they fight the terrorism, the white-collar crime. There are a lot of hardworking agents. And we cannot, you know, just like when people talk about defunding the police and you're seeing these cities fall apart with the police being defunded, it's, just, it's the same principle with the FBI, they're, the adversaries want the FBI to fail. They want them to be defunded so this country cannot have that protection. Um, with that said, there was a lot of mistakes made. And you, you know, make a distinction a between sort of the uh, the folks who are saying defund to those who are just critical of certain layers, some of the political layers, because you're right. There's some great, so many great folks, and right, we need to right. have our FBI out no, there. And the problem is perception becomes reality. The more... The perceptions out there that the FBI is, uh, you know, you know, is political and stuff like that. People will not trust the FBI, and the more people don't trust the FBI, it weakens the FBI because people will not come forward. So, how do we restore FBI. faith? How do we restore faith in, in the FBI as a whole? Because there are so many great law enforcement folks out there. No, and and they're, and they're, they're tremendous. Some of the most dedicated employees in this country are FBI agents. This is the last career jobs in law enforcement. Everybody else changes 10 jobs in, in 10 years. You know, these people dedicate their lives to, to, to keeping this country safe. They need, be, they need better leadership. They need strong leadership. You know, strong leadership. So the, is, it, <clears throat> is it the leadership that's been uh, quasi-corrupted because of the political influence of the Department of Justice? I think the leadership starting, you know, started with, with, with Comey, became a little too political, a little too press-happy. And I think once... You get caught up in that political web, which the FBI should never be. It it, it weakens the institution. We should not so be political. So is it is it is it the uh, Attorney General? Yeah, obviously. Attorney- Judge Judge uh, Weinberg is it the Attorney General? Well, ultimately, it's George. Now. It was the FBI director reports Attorney, Attorney General, General. Mm-hmm. Attorney General of the United mm-hmm. States, and he needs strong he needs strong leadership. I believe, and I'm going back to the the early days, the Clinton. Disinformation campaign on Russian collusion. When Comey got up there as the director of the FBI mm-hmm. and exonerated Hillary Clinton and said that no reasonable prosecutor would go after her, that was not his function. He's, it's called the Federal Bureau of Investigation. It's not a prosecutorial sure. function. So the responsibility, and George is, mm-hmm. is agreeing with me, and, he's, and he's, I think he's right because he's agreeing with me, that the fact <laughs> is that's, the, the fact is, you make a good point here. Where, where things started going wrong, the FBI should do the investigations. The prosecutors should prosecute. What's been happening over the last 15 years, the prosecutors think they're running the investigations. And you need that balance and that check and balances. 
you know, so there's always going to be natural rubs, and that's healthy, you know, whether a case rises to a level. You don't need prosecutors telling investigators how to investigate. Although and Merrick Garland, my that's God, he has become so political. No, but and, and the same token, that's you don't problem. need, and you don't need a directly FBI saying that there's no basis for prosecution. Absolutely. Let's take let's let's take a break, and when we come back, we're coming back with we Miranda Devine, and she's going to talk more about oh. that, and, and she's uh, going to talk about Rikers too, John, uh, because well, your suggestion. I beg your pardon. You always <laughs> promise us a rose garden. I never <laughs> promise. I, 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 never promise. I changed never. the words. I was trying to see if you were let's on the ball. Let's take that break, and we'll be back with Miranda Devine from the New York Post, and she's got some hot story. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back to Katz and Cosby. Everybody's still talking about the news, John, that we were talking about yesterday, uh, that half of the New York City hotel rooms are filled with migrants. There's also estimates today that the price it is costing per day to New York City uh, to take care of the migrants on all the different levels, somewhere between seven to eight million dollars. I said yesterday five, and the new number many people are talking about today is between seven to eight million taxpayer dollars a well, day. We said we said yesterday that uh, uh, let's put them on Rikers Island, and we discussed it with Frank Carone, uh, the former um, chief of staff to the mayor. And uh, the New York Post did a two-page ad, a they two-page, not ad, two-page article. story. Yeah, because they think it's a great idea, too. There's some great things in there, John. Like, yeah, I mean, we, we, we didn't promise them a rose garden. We promised them a bed, a bed and food. There we go. I never promised you a rose garden. Very nice. There it is, right on cue, John. Right on cue. Well, joining us now to talk about all of this is Miranda Devine, the great New York Post columnist. And Miranda, this is stunning, the impact that migrants are having on the city. First off, what do you think of John's idea, putting them in Rikers as a place? Well, I'd rather have criminals put in Rikers. (laughs) Good point. Yeah. But look, since it's empty, I think it's a brilliant idea. It's certainly a lot better than putting them in school gyms. You know, these most of these are military age men. They are not the families that we're told by the activists that they are. They're men and they uh, haven't been vetted and we don't know if they've got criminal records or if they're going to be a danger around children. Are we being so, invaded? What? Are we being invaded? Of course we are. This is horrendous. We didn't offer them a rose garden or a bed and a meal. They were not invited here. They, uh, you know, you can't come to this country unless you come the right way. And America is probably the most generous country in the world when it comes to legal immigration. But what the Biden administration is doing, and Joe Biden specifically, is, is basically allowing this invasion to happen or even inviting it to happen. Um, you know, you can only imagine it is to replenish the stocks of voters, Democrat voters, who, you know, native-born Americans are turning against them because they see what a disaster they are. And everybody, we're talking to Miranda Devine of the New York Post. Miranda, what's your reaction to the governor, to Governor Hochul, who in the last few days 
this was to me, and my jaw dropped when I heard this. She said that expect to basically see New York State and starting with New York City to have it be a tent city that she expects there will be people sleeping on the sidewalk. And she used the phrase New York's at a breaking point. Her solution is to ask Joe Biden for a billion dollars not to change his policy. Close the border. This is the point. You know, Eric Adams, for all all the talk that he does, and and Kathy Hochul, for all the talk she does, they support sanctuary cities. They support what Joe Biden is doing. And look, good on Eric Adams. He actually has been rude enough to Joe Biden that they've now cut him out of the, the 24 election campaign. But it doesn't do anything because they have to actually make it hurt. And it has to damage the Biden administration before they will do anything. Money is not enough. I mean, there's not enough money in the world to support all the people who are economically destitute coming to this country because that's what they want. They are coming here for economic reasons. I I don't blame them. I don't demonize them. I would do the same thing in their position. But a country without borders is not a country. Uh, Judge Weinberg? Miranda, you just had a great column going after a congressman from uh, from Manhattan, Dan Goldman. And one of your points was that there is an Antifa, there is a BLM, it was rioting, it was violence, people lost their lives, millions and maybe billions of dollars worth of damage done to, to property, a climate of lawlessness, and yet this congressman, Goldman, seems to be dismissive, and he's saying, well, to the witness, well, you know more about this than the director of the FBI, there is no Antifa, there is no BLM violence. What do you say about that? Well, you know, Dan Goldman is the sort of hitman, um, the sort of deputy to Adam Schiff. He's just arrived in Congress four months ago, um, and he's styling himself after Adam Schiff, and that means you have to lie a lot. And one of the big lies from the Democrats is about Antifa, that it doesn't exist. Now, you know, we lived through the violence in New York during the summer of 2020. We saw the violence in Minnesota, in Kenosha, in Portland, around the country, caused by these black-clad Antifa cells. They are domestic terrorists, and they uh, committed crimes. They were violent. They committed arson. People were killed. They killed people. Um, and, uh, and, and somehow the FBI director, Christopher Way, who is not a creditable person, obviously, um, he's, we're supposed to believe him when he says Antifa doesn't exist. Antifa is just an ideology. Joe Biden, who's a serial liar, a habitual liar, he tells us that Antifa is just an idea. These people are trying to tell us that black is white. And thank God we had fantastic, intrepid journalists like Julio Rosas, who actually waded into those riots in 2020 at great risk to themselves and took video footage that stands forever to prove that that is a lie. You know, one of the things, too, today, uh, big, huge fireworks. And again, everybody later on in the show, we're going to have Congressman Jim Jordan, who is at the helm of the big hearings today. Um, at the hearings, the Democrats were were trying to defend why there were even arrests of people who just kind of happened to be in the area. And one of the banks who also were getting bank records of anybody in the vicinity of the Capitol. Um, obviously, there were people that crossed the line on January 6th or destroyed proper. We're not condoning criminal activity. But 
the Democrats were like, if you were even sneezing near the Capitol, they were ready to go after you. And they were going after the whistleblowers who were complaining about these people, too, who were saying, wait a minute, maybe we're being overzealous at the FBI. Um, talk about a contrast uh, to, you know, what the what happened with the 2020 summer of love, if you will. Uh, absolutely. And that's really, I think, the biggest problem in this country at the moment is that dual system of justice and uh, a, a really corrupted FBI and DOJ whose culture has been so twisted and politicized that it's now a danger to Americans. And, you know, we saw just this morning before the uh, weaponization committee uh, in Congress the, at this hearing, these three heroes, I mean, real American heroes, two of them um, have served their country in war in Iraq and Afghanistan. They're former FBI special agents or some, you know, suspended, um, suspended without pay. And the most cruel and unusual punishment meted out to them for speaking up and trying to do the right thing and saying that it's wrong for the FBI to be going after parents at school board meetings. It is wrong to be sending a SWAT team in to arrest a Catholic father of seven uh, who happened to be anti-abortion. Um, it's wrong to send uh, undercover agents into Catholic mass. You know, this is a really frightening uh, totalitarian encroachment on our civil liberties, and it's completely against the Constitution, which these FBI former agents say they swore to uphold, and they're doing the right thing, and the cruelty that's been um you know, applied to them and their family. Yeah, they were uh, suspended, a- suspended, and they were called un-American during the hearings today. Uh, Judge Weinberg? They should take a real hard look at the whistleblower law. It's an anti-retaliation provision, and these people are being retaliated against, and it's plain as plain can be, and they should be yeah. held accountable. The people who threw out these FBI agents, suspended them, should be held accountable. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, one of these agents, uh, Garrett Boyle, he um, had was uh, sent to uh, from Kansas to Virginia to start a new role. He took his family, four children, including a two-week-old baby. They sold their house in Kansas. For his first day at work in Virginia, he was told he was suspended. And not only are they suspended without pay, but they're not allowed to have their security clearances or their, their gun records uh, provided to any future employers. So they can't get any other work. They're they're now tucking into their retirement um, balances to try and put food on the table. Well, very interesting. And it is outrageous what's happening. Uh, really, really stunning. Um, uh, thank you so much, Miranda. We really, really appreciate it. Great to have you here. Thank, thank you, Miranda. So thank, thank you. you. And let's go to George Venizelos, now the former uh, assistant director in charge in New York uh, for the FBI. Any... any uh Answers, uh, George. I mean, it seems like the Washington uh, FBI office that uh, is directly under. Uh, well, the, the Washington's always been different. It's always been different forever. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's in the, the, the heart of the politics. Now, as far as these whistleblowers and stuff like that, and you know, uh, they don't just suspend somebody for something like this. There must have been something else to it. But they cannot be able to talk about that. They're not allowed to talk about it. 
Well, one of them, they claimed he downloaded something on a, on a remote, uh, you know, a remote, you know, yeah. drive and said, well, that was the reason. Another one sent an article and they said they it's shouldn't have be been sending that. that. The due process in the internal affairs is, is, is strict. So, but they're not going to come out and talk about it because they can't. So there must be more to it. I really don't think they got rid of them because of the political reasons. I hope not. I, I absolutely hope not. Hope not. Absolutely. If, 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 if that's true then we got real big problems. Yeah, yeah, you're right, George. Thank you. Let's take a break, and when we come back, who are we coming back with? Rita? We have Elizabeth Gomes. This is a blockbuster. Sadly, this is the woman who was beaten. We all saw the video uh, at the train station. This was about seven months ago. The video went viral. She is saying she wishes there were more Marines like Daniel Penny, other Good Samaritans around. On the train. Yeah, she's going to be joining us after the break. You don't want to miss this on Cats and Cosby. And Cosby. Now here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And welcome back to Cats and Cosby. Everybody sadly remembers this video. Everybody was talking about it. It happened back in September. And this is the case where a woman, Elizabeth Gomes, who is an airport employee, uh, was just beaten brutally. Uh, five o'clock in the morning at the Howard Beach JFK Airport train and subway station. Uh, she was going to work. Um, and suddenly a guy with mental illness and a repeat offender brutally continued to beat her. And sadly, it was all captured on videotape. And joining us now here on Cats and Cosby is Elizabeth Gomes. Uh, we're so honored to have you here. Uh, how are you doing, Elizabeth, first of all? Well, you know, thank you for having me. And I mean, for the most part, without having physical problems, I'm doing okay. You know, tell us again what happened um, to you. That video, it was, I I would tell you when I saw the video, my heart, I I wept. My heart broke for you, and I think every American, too. You know, I thank you so much. And, you know, how it really started was just a normal day, how I would get up. And, you know, people don't even know, like, that night, I didn't even want to go to work. I had just did a double shift. And I got home about 11 o'clock to get back up to go back to work for 6 o'clock. You know, I barely got like three hours sleep that night. But I was willing to go because I have to find a way to provide for my family. So I got up like my normally routine and I got on the train. But when I got on the train at, you know, where I live, there was a guy already on the platform, Y.E. Foster. And, you know, he was doing the same thing. He was just talking. He was ranting. He was basically saying he don't really care what's going on and, you know, somebody's going to get hurt. And at the same time, as I'm listening to him, you know, I'm not trying to make it seem like I'm paying attention to him or I'm showing him any kind of thing that I'm, you know, encouraging what he's saying. And then I was also thinking, you know, maybe I should go to the next cart. But I was saying that car is not that full like the car I'm in. You know, that's why I was I stayed in there, because I was saying if anything happened, there's people around that can help you. You know, why would I go and come out the car and he comes behind me and then I'll be by myself, you know, or I'll just be with just two other person where I'm in a car with about six, seven people with me. So I felt a little safe, even though he was talking these things, because I felt like if anything happened, there would be someone there to help. As I got off the, the train at Howard Beach. You know, I, I was trying to hurt the stick because I realized right before the door closed, he came out behind me. 
So as I'm trying to gain pace because I see a gentleman in front of me, so I'm trying to keep behind him in case anything happened, he would, you know, kind of help or try to help do something about it. I was just already had that in my mind because I saw when he went in his bag to grab something, but by I reached up the stairs, he hit me in the head with a bottle and I realized there was no Port Authority agent that was there that normally stands there. There was no PAPD. There was like not, nobody was there. There wasn't even the, um, the person who works who, with the ticketing. Nobody did not come outside. I sustained about a 12 to 13 minute beating. Wow. There was nobody there. Yes. 13 minute beating. Yes. The video that they show was just one footage. There was eight footage of the beating. There was the footage of when he first hit me in the head with the bottle. When you saw me ran and the guy run because the guy ran because I screamed. Wow. And, you know, I remember, sadly, the part I saw, he was kicking you in the head, beating you. You lost vision in one of your eyes. Correct. Yes, I- Yes, I can't see in my right eye. My whole nerve system is damaged in my right eye. That's why I lost the vision. So it also caused dysfunction in my other nerve system around my body. So it's like it's a lot of physical things that happen to me that people don't really understand. And, you know, when you try to speak out, they think that you're looking for this kind of publicity. No, I'm trying to build awareness because I don't want anybody to feel what I felt. My life honestly changed that day that I received that beat and everything for me finished. I can't even attend properly at my job. It, It hurts me every day that I wake up and I look at myself and I remember what happened because how can I not? It's something that happened right on my face. It was like he was just trying to tarnish, like he was just making sure that every day I look at myself, I remember that beating. Well, I, I wanted you to know, um, I saw you on TV the other day. You were still absolutely beautiful, and we're so lucky to have you here. What What are your thoughts, Elizabeth, when you saw what happened uh, recently? And Daniel Penny, the Marine, who stood up, who tried to help everybody, of course, on the train, and took Jordan Neely down. Your thoughts? You see, my thought is, is like, like, that's what I was saying. When I was in the cart with those people, I was looking forward for somebody to help. That's why I felt a little safe. And if somebody felt the same kind of way that I felt, I'm, I'm, and they have better tactic of, you know, doing something, then, I mean, I, I honestly don't see nothing wrong. I don't believe in nobody taking nobody's life, but things always go the wrong way. You know, just like the guy when he beat me up. I'm pretty sure he didn't think I was going to lose my eyesight or anything like that. You know, but I did. He probably thought he he probably hurted me more. But like, we all need somebody to help. And if people is out there trying to help, why are we not appreciating that? I I agree. I agree one hundred percent. This is John Katzmanides, and and uh, it it just seems that uh, the district attorney is going after the wrong person. Right. There's a major more crisis that's happening just besides this. What about the mental? So we're going to keep mental people out there to be with people who's hardworking, just like me, to make a way for our family where we have to be scared now to be on the trains with these people. Now we have to be scared to defend ourselves as well. Like, I, I don't understand what this society is really coming to, because like even when you speak up, it's like a hatred towards you now because you're trying to speak the right things on what's really going on out there. How can we want justice? It can't just be justice for one person. It got to be justice for everybody. We all need the justice. I need justice. Other people that never speak up need justice. That's scared to talk because they're scared of the outcome of what's going to happen. The status of the of, what, what's the status of that case right now, Elizabeth? Like, honestly, the status with the case is that they recently just found out that he killed his ex-girlfriend a month before he attacked me. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And secondly, they're claiming that he's not stand for trial. He's still unfit for trial. Because uh, they're claiming, what, mental illness? 
Right. Wow. Oh, my God. Well, please keep us informed of what's going on and and, uh, whatever help you need, please uh, call us at WABC. We want to help. Please. Thank you so much. I do have a GoFundMe out there if anybody do want to help. Tell us about it. It's GoFundMe. Yeah. Uh, Elizabeth Gomes and, and I mean if I Elizabeth want to help Gomes G O M E S Yes. Well, thank you, and I will go to it personally, and I'll, I'll make a contribution. Thank you so much, guys, and I thank really you. appreciate it. And just know, I just really want the best for everybody out there, and I do wish justice for all the people that need it, and you know who truly wants the real justice. Absolutely. Well, bravo for you you for speaking out for everybody, to keep everybody safe. And, Elizabeth, we love and appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you. And let's go now to uh, Dr. Mark Siegel. He's got some new new revelations. Absolutely. Dr. Mark Siegel, of course, uh, Fox News medical contributor. Uh, Dr. Siegel, I I guess before we get on, heartbreaking to hear just what she has endured. You just heard Elizabeth Gomes. Wow. Wow. I mean, that's just... You know, and that's part of the whole anger in our society right now that she's been the victim of. I mean, it's and her point about, you know, people not coming together and people uh, just living their divisiveness is just where we are. So uh, I'm I'm really encouraging overcoming that by, I don't know, not doubling down on your anger. Wake up every morning and listen to what another person has to say who you might not agree with. What's what's the harm in that? That's what she was saying. Absolutely. By the way, uh, Dr. Siegel, um, I know we also wanted to talk with you about a lot of uh, overdose deaths uh, that seem to be skyrocketing across the country. So that's related to what I just said, Rita, isn't it? We, you know, we we went with these lockdowns. We went with closures. We were using 1918 tech, uh, public health. That's what worked to some extent against the 1918 flu. But this was a much more contagious virus. We found out fairly early on that it spread in communities more when you lock people down if they were in the same apartment building. We learned that in New York. And I think all of the, the, the separation and then the social media fanning the flames, we ended up with a lot of depressed teens. And then along came our drug overlords floating fentanyl in, you know, and not just fentanyl, but but uh, opioids and, and non-opioids uh, that led to overdoses and overdose deaths. But when you see a lot of overdose deaths, you're seeing a lot of depression and a lot of anxiety. That's what leads to it. And, co- of course, copycat. And, and so it all ties together. Our southern border, uh, the fact that we're being victimized, the fact that we don't have a handle on our youth and our teens right now. Uh, the, the solution is just what John Casamitidis does. He has dinners and he brings people together and they talk to each other. And uh, by the way, real quick, also, John, you wanted to ask um, Dr. Siegel about sort of there was this trend of young, healthy I was, guys. I was with uh, a friend of mine the other day, and he says that uh, he was a funeral director and uh, he owns several funeral uh, uh, parlors. And he says more 60-year-olds are dying more than ever before. And well, we- what the heck is going on? Well, we saw in the United States over the past year, that's not even just one funeral director. We saw 3.5 million deaths last year. And everybody wants to say it's COVID, but I I think it's the consequences of COVID. Again, I'm being a little simplistic, too, but people that that didn't exercise, people that didn't go to see their doctor for screenings, people that their blood pressure soared, people that weren't eating right, you know, people under more and more stress. So that's why you're seeing it in 60-year-olds. 
Um, and we're seeing it in younger people, too. Uh, there was just a study out of the United Kingdom on this. We're seeing younger people dying, and they weren't dying of COVID. So, again, they're dying from, from neglect and from stress and from poor eating, not exercise, drugs, and alcohol. Alcohol, huge, huge pandemic of alcohol going on as a result. Well, the funeral director that we had, we lost uh, my friend Steve Fisher from the Intrepid, 63 years old, dying in his sleep. Young guy. Uh, we lost uh, Congressman Bill Arrakis' brother, 61 years old, in Florida, died in his sleep. Wow. Seems to be a trend. Seems to be I'm a trend. I'm telling you why. I'm telling you why. And I forgot one of the biggies, which is sleep apnea. When you say die in your sleep. Warning to people out there, if you're overweight, if your your mate says that you're snoring, get checked because sleep apnea is a big killer in, in sleep. And, it, and it's getting worse also related to all these other yep. issues. Well, Dr. Siegel, we are so grateful that you're here all the time. Thank you so much for being here. Always glad to be here. And, and again, you guys are a cure. You're a, you're a calming, kind, courageous influence on our society. And that's we need more of it. Thank you so much, and thanks for your important information. And, John, we have uh, Jim Jordan coming up after the break. The huge headliner today, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. Boy, were there fireworks, and he's going to be joining us after the break. It's a common-sense recap of the big stories. It's Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. With us today is Congressman uh, Jim Jordan. Uh, He's uh, from the great state of Ohio, and... um, He's got a very important job these days. He's the House Judiciary Committee, and so many things are happening. Congressman, tell the American people what the heck is happening, and, and how are you approaching things? Well, I, I think one of the big concerns is um, in, in our committee work on the Judiciary Committee and, and then the Select Committee on the Weaponization of, of, of Government, um, we're, we're focused on, you know, how these agencies have been turned against the American people. Today we had a big hearing where we had some whistleblowers come forward um, we've talked to dozens of whistleblowers. We've interviewed several of them, and we had three testify publicly today, and their story was so compelling. And I think what's, what, 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 what Americans need to understand is that we know that these the agencies have, are, are now driven by politics. And if you, if, if you need to look no further than the Durham report, which came out earlier this week, which, uh, which, which talked about you know, that they opened an investigation of President Trump with no predicate, no probable cause, um, no, no evidence. And, and yet that's bad enough. But what's happened now is these agencies have been turned on the American people. And that's what the whistleblowers came forward today in our hearing to talk about. And then to add insult to all this is those brave whistleblowers that came forward, they've been retaliated against. And we had a, as I said, the hearing today, that became so clear uh, what's going on. So on a number of other issues, primarily working on protect the First Amendment from, from the attack that you see uh, government working with big tech and and others to limit America's speech. We're working on that issue as well um, in, in the committee. Understood. The other day, uh, I think it was a Congressman Comer was on, and uh, he couldn't find his whistleblowers. What the heck happened to them? Well, uh, it was. Uh, I think he corrected that after he said it. He said that there was uh, um, some of the sources for the whistleblower. They, uh, I think he was talking about some of the uh, uh the, the, the sources that gave information to the whistleblower understand that situation that there's a whistleblower who's went to Senator Grassley and says that he's seen a document, a document that the FBI, FBI has that has re- recorded a conversation 
and information that came from a confidential whistleblower to the FBI. So Chairman Comer has asked to see that document, but he also said in an interview, I believe, that they're having trouble locating and, and, and talking to the, 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 the sources. That was, uh, I, I think, how he said it, and then, then, then clarified those comments uh, a little later. Now, uh, which item do you feel you want to tell the American people is the most serious? Is it the uh, 51 intelligence officers that signed that document uh, saying about uh, about uh, President Trump, or is there anything else? Well, it's it's all of it. It's it's when these when these federal agencies are being you know turned on the American people and going after the very people who pay their salaries, the people they're supposed to serve. You know, whether it's the, this, this concept that was floated a year ago to, to form a disinformation governance board at the Department of Homeland Security, this idea that, you know, you had government agencies telling big tech, hey, uh, we, we think you should you should look at these tweets and take these tweets down, pressuring big tech to censor certain speech that, that the government disagreed with, uh, or, or whether it's the retaliation that's come uh, to whistleblowers. Whistleblowers have simply come forward to Congress to talk to us about the school board issue to talk to us about the the the, the memorandum that um, that was uncovered in in the Richmond Field Office about attacking uh, Catholics, calling them radical traditional Catholics, and trying to uh, you know this this idea that they were going to put sources and and informants inside the the parish, inside the church. So um, all of it's important because it's a threat to the rule of law, it's a threat to our constitution, and and maybe most importantly, it's a threat to the First Amendment. Uh, understood. Now, uh, th- there was some uh, uh, talk at your committee level uh, that uh, you, you, you plan to uh, subpoena CIA people or uh, or FBI people. Or, or which ones are you after well, most? Well, we've we've issued a number of, uh, of of subpoenas for records and and for and some for testimony. Um, that relative to the CIA, we've we've we're, we're looking for, to get certain documents associated with how, uh, what involvement, if any, the CIA had in 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 that that letter or that statement that was put out right before their uh, presidential election in 2020, where they they said that they had a, the Hunter Biden laptop story had all the earmarks of a of a Russian information operation. That statement turned out not to be true. We we didn't feel it was accurate at the time, but it turned out to be not, not to be true. And, and yet that statement was portrayed as if it was organic. It just sprang these 51 former intel officials just got together and decided we're going to put this statement out. When, in fact, what prompted it was the Biden campaign and, and, and in particular, Tony Blinken, who worked for the Biden campaign, now our secretary of state. He's the one who initially called Mike Morrell, the former acting director of the CIA. And it was that phone call that prompted Mr. Morrell to put the letter together. When the letter got put together and used in the debate, which is what it was for, to give give uh, we have the emails that show it was to give President Biden a talking point in his debate with President Trump. Um, when that all happened, the campaign called up Mike Morrell after the after the debate and said, you know, thank you for 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 doing the whole operation. Uh, and of course, the campaign was telling Mr. Morrell uh, uh, who to get the letter to first, who in the press. Uh, you know, here's we wanted to go to the Washington Post first, and then this. They, they were coordinating it all the way through, um, and uh, yet the, it was presented in the debate as if it was organic, as if they just did. They just, you know, on their own, just put it together, which, in fact, just wasn't the case. Uh, Congressman, I, I'll tell you, Mr. Chairman, uh, the American people they call us and they tell us, "Well, this is all great, and uh, we maybe we'll, we'll get the truth someday," but nobody ever goes to jail. 
I mean, you know? no, everybody gets slapped on the hand. Never, nobody loses their security clearance. What yeah. do I tell the American people? No, it's it's probably the number one you know question I get, and it is frustrating. I always remind people that we're in the legislative branch. We can't indict anyone. We can't prosecute anyone. All we can do is our constitutional duty, which is to put the facts on the table, to do oversight, to do the investigations that need to be done. And when you get the facts on the table, then you can look at legislative remedies, which we will we will have. There's a number of ideas we have on legislative. We've already introduced some. My, my colleagues on the Judiciary Committee have already induced some that would, that would you know, relative to the, uh, the, the situation, this crazy indictment Alvin, Alvin Bragg's doing against uh, former President Trump. So we've already got some legislation that I think would help in those, those areas. But then also, I think the ultimate leverage we have and, and, and influence we can have is the appropriations process, which is, you know, the power of the purse and, and how taxpayer dollars are allocated, how they're spent, what money is spent for. That's where we have to weigh in and begin to uh, try to rein in these, these agencies that, again, we think are being turned on the American people. You know, we, we talk, we end our show every day, and we get millions uh, of listeners uh, and say truth, justice, and the American way, the way America always stands for. And um, we just pray for America. Yeah. Well, God bless you. Appreciate your work. Appreciate your prayers and, and your listeners' uh, prayers. Uh, uh, it's a great country, greatest country ever, and um, uh, but we got to make sure we protect what makes it great, which is our values, our principles, and our Constitution, and in particular the First Amendment. Um, so uh, it's it's real important that we keep all that up. Well, Congressman Jim Jordan, thank you for everything you do, and and let's thank catch you. up again really soon. Take care. Thanks, brother. Thank you. Wow, what a blockbuster interview and what a blockbuster day. And, and John, you always end the show appropriately. Well, you know, George uh, Venizelos, thank you for your 25 years in the FBI. Absolutely. And uh, Judge uh, Weinberg you. for everything thank you've you. done. And you know what we all stand for? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and the American, American way. way. God bless you. Thank you.